Well, I'd like to uh, welcome everybody that's joining us for our live stream today. Uh, this is just one part of our service here at City Temple. Uh, if you'd like to see the whole service via Zoom, just drop us an email at info at city-temple.com or you can come down and join us in person at 11 a.m. here at City Temple on Sunday mornings. Today, Gisela Ravello is going to be bringing the word of the Lord to us. Okay, thank you. Good morning, church, and what a blessing to be here with you this morning. It really is my pleasure um, to preach. I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it even more when God gives me a word that encourages me first, uh, or something that he's allowed me to go through, and that's taught me something. So shall we just pray and just put this time in, in God's hands? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Father, we just come before you asking you to speak into our hearts. We, we want to receive from you. We want you, Father, to encourage us, to correct us, to motivate us in the areas that you know we need, Father. We need your love. We need your understanding, Father. We need your words of encouragement to help us to keep on going, to help us to keep on um, just pers persisting on this stage of our life, Father. And we are just grateful, Lord, that we can come together as a family, Lord, and worship you and hear from you. Holy Spirit, may you work in our lives. May you do what you need to do in our lives and in our families. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, every time I, I write a preaching, I, I don't really write the title because... I'm not really good, I think, at get, I'm, I'm making a, a good title of a message, so I always pass it to Marcus. So my, my title was From Nothing to Glory, From Glory to Reality, and it turned out to be It All Has a Purpose in, God, in God's Plan. That's the official title, okay? It All Has a Purpose in God's Plan. So we are going to be reading, um, so there's, I'm going to read between chapter 16, 17, and 18 of 1 Samuel, but I'm not going to read the whole text. It's, it's very long, just kind of the, the important bits. So from um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, I'm going to read verses um, 7. It says, so at this moment, um, in, in chapter 16, you know, Samuel, it's very upset because King Saul, uh, you know, God does not want King Saul anymore because of what he's done. And so he's really upset and sad. And God speaks to Samuel and says, now I want you to go and anoint a new king in Israel. So he goes um, into, um, he, he does what God tells him. And in verse 7, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, uh, because um, um, Samuel goes to, to worship the Lord or to uh, sacrifice for the Lord. And so he, when he goes into the city, he asks um, for all of the Jesse's sons to come and, and, and accompany him to worship God. And so when one of, uh, of Jesse's son comes in, the first thought that comes into Samuel's mind was, okay, this is, this is the one, this is going to be the future king of Israel. And God speaks to Samuel in verse seven and says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then he says, verse 8, Then Jesse called, well, he called all of his children 
and it was none of them. So then um, in verse 10 says, and Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of this. Send uh, uh, any of this. And, um, and he said, uh, are these all your sons? And he said, there remains yet one, the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy and, beautiful, uh, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David and from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. After this, it says on verse 14, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold, uh, sorry, in verse, in verse um, 17, the, the, it says, so Saul said to his servants, provide for me a young man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. So from then on, David, not known as the king yet, David began to play for um, Saul every time he felt oppressed, or every time he felt that something was wrong. Um, and so, we obviously, in the, in the following chapter, in chapter 17, we see this, this, is, this great story that everybody knows, even in the secular world, you know, they know about David and Goliath, you know, usually it's the young, man or, or the young, corp you know, the young company or the small company that finds against a big corporation, against a big person or against a big company, and they, they win. You know, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath because it's a, it's a really amazing story. And, and that's the one that I kind of want to focus on because the, the, the people of Israel and, 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 and the Philistines were at war. But the difference was that the Philistines had a lot of confidence that they were going to win this war. They were sure that they were, they were going to win the war because the Israelites, every time Goliath came out, they, they trembled. And the Bible tells us that. That in verse 8, uh, so Goliath says in, in chapter 17, verse 8, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to drop up a battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And the Philistines say, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that I may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So nobody felt that they could stand up against this bully. They, they all were afraid. So they didn't do anything. They were, on, they, were, they were in a war, but nobody was fighting. But one day, David comes to, to, to take some presents for his, um, 
uh, brothers who were in the battle. And then it, the Bible tells us in verse 22, and David left, when he brought the things, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went to greet his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of God, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistine and spoke the same words as before, and David heard them. Just thought it, it was this amazing part, just David heard them, because he, he says that he was talking, you know, he was uh, kind of having a conversation with the people. And then at, in the midst of his, you know, when you're talking to someone and then all of a sudden you hear something and it kind of calls your attention? And that's what happened to David. As he was talking, he heard what Goliath was saying. And so something changed in David. What happened was that in, in verse 26 it says, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answer in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Eventually, David feels, I think he was filled with rage. He was definitely filled with the Spirit of God for him to be able to, to think he was able to defeat this man. And in verse 32, he says, And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, talking about himself, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to fight against this Philistine, um, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his bear and struck him and killed him. But your, and your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paws of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I think David's speech, David's courage must have made something changing souls because remember what was at stake was that whoever lost was going to become the servant of the other army of the other people and so then we you know we see that they the soul in 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 you know thinking that he was doing the best gives his own armor to to david and as soon as david tried to use that it, it did not work so he said no i can't i can't i can't fight with this there's a no i think there's another preaching for that but we're not going to go into that. What happens is now David faces Goliath, and we know that um, David defeats Goliath just by throwing a stone and then obviously kill him. And, um, and, and, all of, and then that's why, I, 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 that's why my original um, topic, or my, my original message was, you know, from nothing to glory, because by then David was completely unknown. I mean, he, even his own dad did not acknowledge him as, you know, as part of his family when Samuel came to his house and asked for all his sons to come. And all of a sudden, David becomes this very important 
person. And, and, and I think this is now where I want to start. So point number one is preparation. Sometimes we go in stages of our lives or, or with, with the things that we live through sometimes don't make sense or sometimes we think, well, you know, I, I, I don't understand how God could ever use me. In, in David's case, he was uh, a shepherd for many, many years. If, if we compare him to Goliath, it, it tells us that Goliath had been uh, a warrior since his youth. Uh, it, the, the case for David was that he had been a shepherd since his youth. He was an excellent shepherd, but nobody knew all that he meant. He wasn't just a regular shepherd. He was a very strong, mighty, uh, courageous young man who was a shepherd who really defended his sheep, who really fought for his sheep. He wouldn't be intimidated by a wild animal. And, and even then, when, you know, maybe in his mind he never thought he was ever going to be something great among the people of Israel. You know, maybe he just liked what he did. And he was in that place where God was working something in his life, where God was preparing him. And, and, and even then, God was forming a character in him, maybe uh, courage and, and actual, you know, fighting with his hand because at the end he, he, be, he did become a warrior. And I think sometimes when we go into that stage, of, in, in those stages in our lives when we are unknown, when nobody knows sometimes our name, or nobody acknowledges us for being able to ever do anything great, it's actually, we don't, I don't think we sometimes realize that sometimes those stages, those times are really, really good times of our lives. Because you see what happened from, for David after he became this hero for Israel, after he, he kind of became this amazing man and everybody knew who David was. His life changed because all of a sudden, he went into, um, into a stage, uh, that's, that, that's the second one that, that, I, that I said, glory, no? You go from nothing now to glory. And that one is, I think, a very tricky one because, because of being in this, it, in everyone's mind, this is now the hero, then jealousy becomes, begins to knock at his door. Nobody, nobody was jealous of David before when he was a, a shepherd. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd like him. Nobody wanted to take his sheep. But when now he becomes this hero, now people are jealous of him. Now people are, even the king himself, you know, kind of the person who, who was instrumental to bring him into this new stage, who gave him the opportunity, uh, and who was happy that he, you know, won against Goliath. Now he becomes kind of his number one enemy. He, you know, there, there was a, there was a, he got so upset because there was, uh, when they came back from war, people began to sing uh, a song saying, no, uh, Saul, king, his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. And so that got him really upset. All of a sudden, whatever good emotions Saul had towards David, it, began, it changed into jealousy. It changed into anger. And, and I think that sometimes we don't realize that, you know, it, all of this sometimes good stuff that we think, oh, this is great, this is amazing, now kind of begins to, to turn against us. And that's what I, I, you know, that part I said from the third point that I said was from glory to reality. And I think that's the one that I really want to focus on. Because this one is where we actually see all the preparation, 
the experience of glory or the experience of, of, of this amazing win, how the day-to-day, -day, the reality of what we actually have to live with, and that's for all of us, you know, what we actually have to, have to face day, day in, day out. Because jealousy begins, that's the first thing he kind of felt, in, um, the, the first thing that he got affected by. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8 and 9 says, And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said the saying of, you know, um, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And, and he says, they, dis they ascribe to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed me thousands. And what more can, can he have but the kingdom? And Saul, I, David, from that day on. Even though David had conducted himself with humility, he had been... He had shown loyalty, he showed integrity, and yet this king who was supposed to be kind of the example turned against him. And all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden his, um, his uh, one thought for David was, how am I going to kill him? And I'm not going to go through all the things that he does later, but he really, 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 really detested David. And even though he had him close with him in, in his palace, you know, in, in, with him, every time David had to watch out for his life because um, Saul really wanted to kill him. But even in this difficult time, even in this time where David was, was in, in, in the mix of, you know, having all this uh, fame, he got, the Bible tells us that God prospered David. And in verse, in 1 Samuel 18, 5, it's, it says, And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. And in verse 14 and 16, it says, And David had succeeded in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. This created, David had a grace, and because of his integrity, because of his loyalty, because he was sincere, there was a, a favor that God had put in his life. He was being real. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't trying to please anybody. He really wa wanted to, to just serve there where he was. And so that, be, that made him even more popular. That gave him, you know, people liked him, people praised him. And what we, what we learned during this time, you know, when we, when, we look back, when we look back at David's life, we see that the, the struggles or maybe the things where he was learning to be on his own when he was with the sheep, when, he, when God was forming him for all the things that God had prepared for, him, for David. Now, I'm only going to share this stage of David's life. There's even, I mean, really, there's so much more that we can talk about David, about all the things that he did. But the one thing that for me was very important was the fact that David is not a perfect man. In no way, shape, or form can we say that David was the perfect man. He never sinned. He was always loyal. He was always uh, humble. He was always a man of integrity. 
because he wasn't. He really wasn't. Yet, God talks about David as a man after God's own heart. There, there was something special in David that even when he sinned, that even when he failed, that even when he did wrong, there was a, a, a sincere heart of repentance, a sincere heart of repentance that he knew he'd done wrong. And so I think that, that is, for, for me, David is an example because it, it just shows how God can really use someone even though they are a human being. And I think in that we can all, you know, we can all stand a chance because we are all human beings and we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses as well, just like King David. It's, you know, it's, 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 I think it's the, the, the things that we go through, the things that we live that really help us to, to keep on maturing, that, to keep on growing, that really everything that we experience, everything that we live really has a purpose for God's plan. Sometimes it's not in our plans. It's not what we wanted. It's not what we were expecting. It's not the outcome we wanted. And, and sometimes those things kind of makes us think, hmm, maybe, maybe there is something wrong happening. Maybe there is something that is not right. Sometimes we doubt ourselves. But when we trust God, when we trust that God has control, when we trust that the promises that he's given us, that goes on top of anything that we live, then we're able to, even when we're going through the difficult times, we're able to carry on and to persevere and to know that we will come out of, out of this. Um, the last time that I preached here, I preached about uh, not letting anything steal your joy, you know, to have God's, to have God's peace. And kind of straight after that message, the following day, I had one, no, no, I didn't. We, as a family, had one of the biggest struggles and fights and horrible circumstances that we have ever experienced. And I was, the, the only thought that kept coming to my mind was, <laughs> I just preach on don't let anything steal your joy. And now I'm facing this horrible thing, Lord, help me. Help me because I really need not to let anything steal my joy. You know, when you're going through the struggle, of course you're going to react. You know, that, that is part of us as being humans, you know. But to, to stay strong, to, to, to know that, okay, this is difficult, this is hard, but in spite of this, I am going to trust that God has the control of my life. It, it is hard, but it can be done. And, and I think... The enemy really does want to, to hurt us. The enemy really does want to um, uh, make us feel like, you know, what's the point of you? You keep on pushing, you keep on doing, you keep on seeking God, you keep on searching for him and look all the things that are happening in your life. It seems like the closer you get to God, the worse things happen in your life. And I think that's just a trick of the enemy to, to discourage you, to may, maybe... Um, affect you even more apart from all the things that are happening. But if you stand strong, you know, you will see God's power, God's, God's love and God's peace, really God's peace, his shalom really manifesting in your life. Were you going to think like, how can I really be at peace when this is happening? And that is, that is just a, 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 a that is just God's grace and God's favor manifesting in your life 
supernaturally because it's, this is not something that you can do you know, in your own strength. This is really something that only, can do, only God can do by putting his hand in your life. Last week, we, we went to a, a um, we, were, we were invited with Marcus to, to speak to a group of young people outside of London. And it was a really amazing time. It was, it was an amazing time to see these young um, people who are between, you know, early 20s to maybe early 30s, who really have a hunger for God, who really are seeking God, and who really want to, you know, follow Christ. And we had a really amazing time with them. So um, we, uh, I had to come back home because the, the, uh, Feli was helping us, looking after the kids. And so Marcus stayed doing the last um, session in the evening. And then it was about 11 o'clock and he hadn't arrived. And I, said, I called him and I said, what happened? And uh, he told me, oh, no, it's just that the, 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 the worship became really long. So my message got, got, you know, later and so on anyway. But I'm on my way home. So he was coming home. And then maybe 15 minutes later, he calls me. He says, oh, um, the, the, the wheel just got punctured. So now I have to call AA so someone comes and, and helps me change the wheel. And it started raining. So I said, okay, that's fine. Then he calls me like 20 minutes later. Oh, um, they can't fix the wheel and your dad has not, because he was using my dad's car, your dad has no spare wheel, so we have to now bring a, a car to tow us back into London. So he got home at about four o'clock, I think, in the morning. And then in the meantime, Zoe comes up to our bedroom, to my bedroom, about three o'clock, and she says she can't breathe properly. And I know she's had episodes in the, in the past where she needed you know, some sort of support or help. So I called 111 just in case. After I hung up, they said, no, um, it's best if you bring her to hospital. So when he come, Marcus comes home at about 4, 4.30, I, I, I went hospital with Zoe, got uh, to the hospital about 5 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, after they assessed her, they said, no, I, she has to stay in hospital. She has to be admitted because we need to make sure that she start, start breathing properly. Anyway, so... I had to work on that Sunday, so um, when it was a little bit later, I spoke to Marcus, and so they were going to come. I went to pick them up from our, whole, our house so they could come and stay at my parents' house, which is closer to the hospital, uh, so that then if I had to go and work, Marcus could stay with Zoe. And so I went home, and when everybody was getting ready, we were almost about to leave. I was upstairs getting something. I hear a loud scream downstairs. And I said, what's going on? When I got downstairs, Marcus had twisted his ankle and he was in extreme pain. And so I thought, oh no, I might, he might have broken his ankle or something happened, but he was in a lot of pain. He couldn't work. So we went to drop off the kids at my mom's house. Um, and then Marcus didn't want to go to hospital. But I said, go to hospital, because what if you broke your ankle and it, it, it's going to get worse? So, I had Zoe in the hospital admitted. Marcus was in A&E being checked. So it was, what I'm saying is that after an amazing glory, after an amazing time, all of these things happened one after the other. And it felt like, really? Like, this is just a bit too much now. <laughs> this is one thing after the other. But that day also, Pastor Rod was talking about, you know, a kind of same topic, you know, your shalom. God's shalom. So I'm, I'm thinking that I'm not going to let the enemy steal my child. It doesn't matter what else happens. I'm not going to let, he's not going to win. God is with us. And, and this is just a manifestation of how much 
you know, good we're doing in the kingdom of God, that the enemy really wants to attack us so bad. But you know, that was just last week. But there are also amazing and other things that I can tell you that God has done in our life. So it's up to us, what do we want to focus on? Do we want to focus on all the bad stuff? Do we want to cry and take the violin and, and have a, a, a pity party? Or are we going to talk about God's love and, his, and what he wants to do in our lives and what he is doing already in our lives? You know, sometimes we don't realize that even just waking up to a new day and just being able to, to eat, it's an amazing miracle. You don't realize it until you are with someone who maybe cannot eat, literally cannot eat because it has to be fed in, in, in a different way because whatever problems they might have physical. You know, there's so many things. And sometimes, you know, we, we look at other people and we say, oh, but you know, that person can do this. Oh, but that person th does that. And instead of allowing God to fill us with his glory and his um, love and his kindness, we're letting the enemy fill us with jealousy and envy and anger and, and, and kind of sometimes even rage because we are not or we don't have what others have. But what I want us to, I want you to, what I want you to take from this is that it doesn't matter, you know, what, where you are at the moment. It doesn't matter what God has allowed in your life, what you've lived and what you've experienced and what God has allowed you to walk through, you know, you are, this is amazing because each one of us, none of us are the same here. We might come from the same country or we might come from uh, um, maybe be born in the same a, a year or, or be in similar families, but we're all different. We all have experienced different, different situations, different experiences, and because of that, we are unique. And that unique, that uniqueness that we have, those things that we've experienced is what God wants to use in your life. You might think, oh, but you know, I come from a family that has too many siblings and it's too much. And I don't think I, I, you know, anyone could ever uh, you know, understand me. But then you, you will meet people like that and, and it will be exactly what they need to hear from you. Or you might say, oh no, but I come from a, you know, from a, a, a family that I, I was the only child. I'm an only child, you know, and it's different with me. And yet, that's how God wants to use you because those things that you've experienced, that you, you've gone through, that's what other person needs to hear from you. You know, how God wants to use us in his kingdom is unique. You don't have to be like anyone. You don't have to be uh, like anyone else. The way God has allowed you to experience and live things is how he wants to use you. You know, don't let the enemy... Um, sell you short of what God can do in your life. Whether you're, you're divorced, whether you're single, whether you have a large family, no family, whatever your circumstances, God wants to use you just the way you are because nobody else is like you. Take heart. It is often God does his best work when we're going through difficult times. That is when God is doing his most. We don't, we don't think that's what he's doing. We don't feel it. We, 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 we could choose. We would say, God, don't, no, don't do it because it hurts, because it really does. But after you go through it, you'll see how God can use those things and, and, and those can become your best traits. Uh, it, the finest things that are in your life that makes you unique, that, that 
shows maturity was done during those painful times in, in your life. You know, and, and today, you know, no matter, no matter uh, what difficulty you experience, I know that it's easy to, it's easy maybe to encourage other one when you're not going through that same difficulty at that very moment, and that's why we need each other. Because, you know, we, if, if one of us is falling down, then we can hold that person up because we are strong at that moment. But there'll be a time where I might be falling down and I might need encouragement, and then you'll be the one to pick me up. And that's how we are. We are part of this amazing body of Christ where we encourage each other. But don't fight on your own. Don't hide by yourself. Ask for help. If you need prayer, if you need encouragement, if you just need someone to hear you out, ask. Because as part of the body of Christ, we are here to help each other, to form each other. And you know something amazing? If you look back in your lives, if you look back, you know, two years ago, three years ago, you're definitely not the same person that you were two years ago. You, are, you have grown stronger, you have grown wiser, and you will keep on going wiser and stronger because of the things you're experiencing. Now, if you make the same mistakes, that you were making two years ago, then there's something that you haven't learned properly. Then there is something that you need to fix in your life. There is something that you need to realize, okay, Lord, I really need your help on this. Because can, I can't be making the same mistake every year in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, in, in Christ. Our reality is better because we have learned to trust in Jesus knowing that he has control of our lives, knowing that he is sovereign, he never changes. He will strengthen us in our weaknesses. In times of discouragement, he will make us stronger in Christ. This is the amazing gift we have in Christ. When we come to him, whether we feel that we can't walk anymore, whether we feel weak, whether we feel that we can't do anymore, when we come to Christ and we look at his eyes, he, he changes something in the atmosphere. So I just want to encourage you today. You know, looking, whenever you read about David and you, amazing things that we can find about him, just remember he was a human like we are and that his moment of preparation, the way God allowed him to, to become this shepherd, where, the way God allowed him to kill these wild animals was a preparation for, for him killing or confronting Goliath. So again, the things that you have gone and experienced are also preparation for the things that God wants you to do it. Saul didn't do it. God didn't prepare Saul to kill Goliath. Just, uh, um, David's brothers didn't do it. God didn't prepare them to kill Goliath. You have your own Goliath. You have your own battle that you will need to face. It, it is yours. It wasn't David who confronted uh, who, who was like Daniel. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, God chose and or God did different things with different people. And when you learn to understand that the way God made you, how God has allowed you, things in your life is because he wants to use you and in, in that time of your life. And I just want to finish with this. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says, for David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. The, the, why I like this verse is because it talks about David 
serving the purpose of God for his own generation. It was for that time, this time, your life, your name. God wants you to serve the purpose of God for this generation. This is our generation. And what you're going to do in your life with this generation is going to be different than what David did for his generation. So, you know, so when we understand that, you know, sometimes I, I used to think, oh, I would have loved to live in the times of Jesus and met Jesus and be with Jesus. But, you know, God didn't want me to be at that time. He wanted me to be in this time. And so because of that, I understand there is a purpose for my life in this generation. Same thing for you. God has a purpose for your life in this generation, in this country or wherever he might take you, he takes you to another nation. He, he, has, he has a purpose. He wants to do something with your life, something that he, he cannot do with the person that's sitting next to you or behind you because they're not you. So let's not lose our chance and our opportunity to be used by God in this time. Amen? Amen. So let's just pray to God that he will speak into our hearts how we understand, how, how we, we hear his voice. So Heavenly Father, we are just so, so grateful, Lord, that you have chosen us in this generation, Lord, that you have allowed us to live in this generation, Lord. It's not a coincidence. It wasn't even our parents' uh, choosing, Lord. It was your choosing, Father. It was how you allowed things to happen in our lives. And even when the enemy wanted to destroy us and kill us and hurt us and harm us, Lord, even then, Father, you allowed those things to make us who we are today. Whether we are loud, whether we are quieter, whether, Father, we have a, come from a large family or from a small family, Lord, whatever uh, nation we come from, whatever our background is, Lord, what, whatever our story is, Father, you have allowed these things in our lives because, because you have a purpose for our lives, Lord. And you have a purpose still for us and our families, Lord. And we present our families before you right now, Lord, and we speak into the spirit world, Lord. Here we are. Here is my family, Lord. My children, the inheritance that you have given me, Lord. Father, once more I present them before you, Lord. They belong to you, Lord. I consecrate them to you again, Lord. I consecrate my life to you again, Lord. Use me as you please, Lord. Help me, Father, to, to remain strong, Lord. Help me to listen to your voice. Help me to do your will, Father. Help me, Father, to, to get rid of all the things, Father, that are hindering me from doing your will. There where you are, just say, Holy Spirit, this morning, speaking to my heart. The Holy Spirit wants to change. The Holy Spirit wants to transform your life. And he's telling some of you, yes, you can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. And I cancel right now in the name of Jesus, I cancel the lies that the enemy has been feeding you in your mind to say that you're not capable, the lies that says that you can't do it, that it's too late for you or that it's too soon for you. I cancel those lies in the name of Jesus. And I speak the words of God into your life. 
that you have been called to be the head and not the tail, that you, you have been called to be children of God, that you are children of God, that you are ambassadors of Christ here on earth. So, Father, as your children, as your family, Lord, we come together to thank you, Father. To thank you, Father, for your favor in our lives. To thank you, Lord, for your love in, your, in our lives, Father. And, Father, we are grateful, Lord, that you have your sight on us, Lord. Father, that every time we come and we pray, we are confident that you hear our prayers, Lord. And Father, we ask you today, may this week be a week where we can see your hand and your love and your mercy in our lives. When we feel weak, help us, Lord, and encourage us, Lord, to see your goodness, to see your love. Take away any jealousy from our hearts. Take away, Father, those desires, those motivations that do not come from you, Lord. Take away, Father, those thoughts from the enemy to harm us, to harm others. We cancel them in the name of Jesus, Father. And we ask you to cleanse us. Cleanse us, Father, and make us new. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.